All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 186 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger allongside uh, Frank Saravalli. And Frank, we're into the second half of the month. No we made it for you. How are you feeling? No, I'm feeling good. We've made it. Uh, all downhill from here. Kind of feels like going downhill on a scooter with one wheel. But uh, it's a perfect time to tell you that episode 186 is brought to you by Athletic Brewing. Because dry January can be scary, especially in a long, dark winter. This year, it's simple. Athletic Brewing has everything you need with their lineup of craft, non-alcoholic beers delivered right to your doorstep. I'm on day 16. It's January 16th, Saturday night. Uh, The guys on my son's hockey team, everyone took their families to the local neighborhood watering hole. And they actually had athletic brewing there, which made life super simple for me, was able to crack one open, not skip a beat. And that makes these beers truly a game changer. Don't believe me? Use promo code FRANK20 for 20% off your first purchase at athleticbrewing.ca until January 1st and give dry a try. Better yet, snap a photo of you enjoying an athletic brew this dry January and tag Daily Faceoff for a chance to win a signed jersey. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all faceoffs, fit for all times. Nice. Well, here's the question. Let's say you get to the end of January and you're like, oh, I'm feeling good. Would you extend it? It's it's not really a challenge for me. So like like it is and it isn't, but like I'm not like sitting here every night hankering for one. So honestly, uh, 
I'm sure it's it's somewhat similar in your house. Like you're so busy with the kids, busy with work. A lot of times I'm at my desk until nine or so. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like it's easy to just kind of crawl in bed and and not need one. So um that's been sort of nice and trying to walk a little bit more, get a little bit more active. My goal is to do one active thing a day and uh yeah, take it from there. Try not to uh overdo it, overcommit to something. I, I think that's sort of my pitfall is like, hey, I'm gonna ride the bike all 30 days in January. It's like then you get to February and you're like, I'm never riding the bike again. So it's got to be something that's sustainable and that's that's my goal. Yeah, that's you know what? Smart, Frankie, because the biggest mistake people is they try to go in January, okay, I'm completely changing everything. And you go from one extreme to the opposite end of it. And then you're mentally tired or physically tired or you hate it. And you're like, well, this isn't good. It's got to be something that's sustainable. It's like diets. People get on these crazy diets and they're not sustainable. You can't do it long-term. You got to find something that's long-term. And really you just, uh, there, there's very few easy, quick fixes. You can have a little bit of weight loss early on right away if, if that's the goal, but then you want to maintain something so you don't gain the weight back. Otherwise, right. what's the point of losing the weight? And that's me to a T. I'm kind of all in right from the start, gung-ho, I lose 15 pounds kind of easily. And then before you know it, you blink, you look at food and it's back on again. So for me, I need something way more sustainable. Yeah. But this is certainly helping because I feel a lot better. Going to be honest. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that's good. Um, Feeling better. I want to get to a topic that, uh, because I know we, I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the pod. I've talked about it on my show lots, but so the NHL, the shootout's been around since 06. Connor McDavid said uh, last week, you know what? I think, uh, you know, 10 minutes of three on three, because a lot of people who were against the the extending three on three said, well, that's going to be too taxing for the players. Well, there's one of the guys who's clearly going to be on the ice in the extra five minutes, right? Um, When they go a full five minutes, sometimes he plays two and a half, sometimes even three minutes, depending um, if there's a power player or not in there. Um, So an extra two minutes, you look at how many games like, Team overtime games are, uh, you know, they're down. There's some, you know, shootouts. I think the most one team has had is five actual shootouts uh, this year. I think there's multiple, but no one's at six yet. So that's still 10. So here's my question. If they went to 10 minutes of three on three, do you think the NHL would be in favor of ties if there was no wins? Do I think they would? No. Okay. I, I just think we're past the point of ties. Like, doesn't I don't know that it benefits anyone. I, I think what you do is so I, I actually did all the math on this, and if you do increase it to ten, just based on the number of expected goals that are created, and I know expected goals aren't real goals, so I'm not going to get twisted on that. But based on the chances and expected goals in in five minutes of three on three, if you extend it to 10 minutes, north of 90% of games will be ended in those 10. Yeah. So to your point, the question is, what do you need to do after that? And I think at that point, then you just go to a shootout. I don't know that you're ever going to completely eliminate it. I don't like the idea of ties. I like the idea of settling the game one way or the other. Okay. So here, here's the reason why I think the NHL um, might be in favor of ties now. So I've been looking at um, the separation gap 
And for whatever reason, Frank, since COVID, the gap has increased significantly between the good and the bad teams. Back in 2010, when the Oilers were the worst team in the NHL, they were the only team, they finished 30th, they were the only team that didn't win at least 30 games. 2011, the only team that didn't win 30 games. You go to 2014, it was up to, to three teams. 2017, it was three teams. The last, and this year, there's trending to be five, maybe six. The year before was five, the year before was six. So ever since we went to that COVID season of 21, for whatever reason, it's created a, a much larger gap between the haves and the have-nots, which the NHL doesn't like. Because if you look at it right now, Anaheim, San Jose, Chicago, Arizona, um, you know, Columbus, you throw their six teams that are not even close. Then there's some other ones that are, you know, middle tiers we don't think are going to be playoff teams. But there's six that are blatantly out of it before halfway of the season. And so if you're saying we increase it to 90% of games that are settled anyway, and there's still going to be the loser point for OT, but then in those other 10 games or 10% of games, if you're only distributing two points, which you do in every other regular regulation game, I don't see why it'd be a, a massive issue, especially because the NHL had ties for decades. I don't think like, yeah, it sucks. No, but I think those bottom, if they would think there'd be less separation because of it, maybe I'm wrong. I have to dig in deeper, but so why the- do you think it is that the normal NHL points percentage now to your point, like if you're not winning 40 games, you don't have a chance to get in the playoffs. Why, why is it that the points percentage threshold has sort of become like you need six, a 600 points percentage? Like people yeah. say, oh, they've gotten back to level ground at five, 500 points percentage means that you are somewhere between 12th and 16th in your conference. Yeah. That's not truly 500. Like it, it makes no. it sound better than it is. 100%. But what happened? Like why, like, so I, I see teams touting and you heard the Toronto Maple Leafs a lot last year. We set a franchise record in wins and points. And it's like, yeah, well, that doesn't really mean anything because it's totally different now as opposed to what it used to be. Racking up 40 wins in a season was a big deal. Yeah, well, because they were all, you know, there was regulation because shootout wins give you wins that – you normally never would have had in the past, right? Now, because they, they used to have, um, there, there was overtime and you had wins or losses. That was the other difference. Teams actually, if you lost in overtime, you lost. But I really look at the NHL and the, the reason why I think there's such a bigger gap, Frank, now between the haves and the have-nots, and I know it's only three years, but it's a trend. It's It started in 21 when we switched to the different divisions and everybody thought, well, that's because you're playing the same teams. And it's like, okay, but now you're back to normal. This is the second year, and it's the exact same thing. You've started a trend that that I think more teams, Frank, are because if we want to do, consider a legit rebuild in the NHL, and you and I have talked about this, it's minimum eight years. If we're talking legit rebuilds, it's minimum eight years, and you have more teams that are wanting to commit to that now. That because there's no incentive to be competitive and miss out. I agree. Right. So that's why I think so that's creating even a larger gap. And I think that the the three point games create even a larger gap. Like we've everybody's looked at it. If you everybody talked about having a three, two, one system, if you went to three, two, one, it all it would create is a larger gap amongst your teams. It would. Right. So then what is the so I've been a proponent for the three, two, one, zero forever. But all we would have is less 
of a playoff race. It, well, here, here's the flip side to that. Maybe not. Maybe you'd have the ability for teams that actually go on a tear to get back into it. Because here's the other problem with the current NHL point system and structure is that you could go on a seven, two and one run and not make up any ground. And I think that's problematic. Well, it all depends on what the teams are doing around you in terms of three point games. Yeah. So try to, to me, if we eliminate more three point games, that's a better thing, which is why I would, I'd be in favor of ties. So keep the same structure two, one and zero. Increase the, the five on uh, three on three from five minutes to 10 and then a tie. Mm -hmm. And you get a one point for a tie. Yeah, one point for a tie. Uh, I don't so think just NHL... making it to the to three on three overtime, you get nothing. Well, see, no, I, I don't think the NHL would go that drastic because although you could argue, but that's that what you have, have to do. If you lose, if you lose in the five on five or three on three, excuse me, for ten minutes, you gotta get nothing. It, yeah, otherwise, I, you still have three point games. No, I agree, but it's eliminating some of them, right? I don't think the NHL is. No, it wouldn't be eliminating any of them. Well, the shootouts, you're going to eliminate it, right? Because now it's only two points in those shootout games instead of three. No, that's not what we're talking. No, that's you're, that would mean you, just getting to just getting to overtime should not earn you a point. Agree or disagree? Uh, okay, that's a different argument, though, because. No, it's not. You're saying it will eliminate three point games. If all you're doing is, is extending three on three and removing the shootout, you still have the same number of three point games because it got to overtime. Once well, no. you get to overtime, it's automatically a three point game. Well, no, not if no, if you score in overtime, it's a three point game, but if nobody scores and then there's no goals after the overtime, now it's just a tie and it's, and it's one point each. So I know it's only you. What did you say earlier? You thought it'd be 85 to 90%. So it's only 10 or 15%. I understand that, but it's the first step. So if you, if you, but theoretically, going, that would mean there's more three point games because if you're doing the math and 90% of them are ending, then it's two and one. No, but right now, 100% of games that go to overtime are three point games. Correct. Right. So you're eliminating. So now if you're saying it's going down. So now now you're only going to end up with like eight or nine percent that that don't become that. Yeah. How would that how would that change it material? Well, it just well, it's a small if it's 10 percent, it's a step in the right direction. I think eventually, Frank, I would get on board. I just don't think the NHL. Well, you know, the NHL. I don't think they're going to do anything. You don't think they change it at all? OK, no. I'd be in favor of the 10 minutes because I, I I think the shootout has lost its luster because there's not as many goals. Watch how many times in the shootout goalie makes all three saves for one team and one guy scores a goal on the other team. Done. I don't that's think it. it's really ever had its luster. I, I I've it, never liked it from the start. Yeah, that's fair. But I think fans did, like the, especially when the home team wins, it builds some excitement. They score, you score. The extended ones, funny enough, are probably more exciting, even though a lot of times there's no goals. It just becomes more exciting because there's 10 shooters or 14 in the case of our buddy Struddy. But uh, um, I just... I like McDavid talking about it. I like when players mention things that the league should consider and uh, I'd be in favor of eliminating. I'm with your point that it doesn't, it doesn't get enough three point games removed and that's totally fair, but it's a step in the right direction. I guess I think it's going to change nothing in the grand scheme. <laughs> you could be right. You could be very right. And, and so that leads to another thing. So the Pacific division uh, in the history of the crossover, since it's come in, it's been eight years because there, of course, wasn't a crossover in 21. 
And then I don't even count 20, really, because you had an extended playoffs. But so you look at those other years, there's never been a crossover where the Central lost a team. They've always had four. And then in three years, they've had five. The Central's always been the division of death yeah. in the West. And uh, this year, the Pacific Division currently has five teams. Now, Colorado, I want to say it to Avs fans before they freak out. That's a caveat because they played fewer games. Totally valid. But... um they actually do have, if you went by Frank's points percentage, Colorado's still out. So it's technically now five and three. Now, the one thing that I've seen a lot of people say, oh, well, it's because the Pacific has Anaheim, San Jose, and Vancouver. They're terrible, so the teams are beating up on them. That's actually, like, outside of Calgary, who's 4-0 and against those teams, like, Vegas is 3-2-1. and So they're basically 500 in actual win percentage, right, against those teams. Edmonton's 3-2. and Seattle's 2-0-2. So um, only L.A. and Calgary have actually won more than half their games against those week three teams. Thing is, they play them all more down the stretch. That isn't the reason why those teams have been better overall. Calgary's the one because they're 4-0. So they've got the biggest benefit thus far. But then you can argue, I'd have to look and say, okay, well, has Colorado played Arizona and Chicago four times yet this year? And if they have, isn't that the same thing? So I, I don't really buy that argument. For Pacific Division, that this year it's the ultimate weak division. I don't believe it is. And in fact, if I looked at weak divisions, you you look at the Atlantic; it's got a massive gap, right? And all of a sudden, Montreal. See, that's five- the, it's funny. It all depends on how you view it. Because I would say the Atlantic Division is the strongest division in the league. I'd say the Metro is. I don't think so. I don't think the Metro is very good at all. Really? And the reason I think that is because I only think. Maybe this is a a different viewpoint and not the correct viewpoint, but I only think in terms of legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. Okay. And I think there's really only five, maybe seven teams you can make the argument for, and three of them are in the Atlantic. Boston, Tampa, Toronto. Yes. Okay. The only real legitimate Stanley Cup contender I think that's in the Metro is Carolina. Okay. You could maybe make the argument that the way the Rangers have played in the last month makes, you know, makes them one, puts them in the conversation. I think it's a little premature. I don't think anyone else in the East is. So I, I think there's four teams in the East. And in the West, I don't know. It might be even less. Dallas, Winnipeg. Who do you do you do you think Vegas is a true Stanley Cup contender? Um, as currently honestly, constituted, I don't think Calgary or Edmonton are, yeah. and I got to see what the Avalanche are when they get everyone healthy to really make a true judgment. Yeah, the Avs for sure. Um, if you actually look at Edmonton's last ten games since Christmas, they're starting to play like they did under Jay Woodcroft. Their five on five goals against is down to one point six a game. And if you're at 1.6 a game, then you're a legit, that's a really good number. And they've done that now for 10 games. They've figured it out. They, they still had a few uh, brain farts, like 11 minutes against Seattle that crushed them. Their penalty kill in LA was terrible. So um, of the Pacific Division teams, like I'm not... But I know right, right now, a- yes or no question, are the Edmonton Oilers a true Stanley Cup threat? I'd say yes, because I don't see, there's no, as you mentioned, there's no dominant team in the Pacific. And once you get to the third round, Frank, anything can happen. I agree. I think the West is wide open. I will say that. Um, 
there's no team that you're sitting there. If you're uh, playing or coaching for any one of those teams or managing that you say, Oh, I'm really afraid of that team. No, like, uh, like the thing is like Boston's so much better than everyone else right now. Right. That, and like, they're the clear, they're the clear dominant team. There's no question, but you look at Winnipeg, like how's Winnipeg that much different than Toronto? I think Winnipeg has no, Winnipeg is actually they have the same exact points percentage, yes. same exact games played. In fact, they have more wins than Toronto. Um, yeah, like if you're saying Toronto's a legit, then to me you have to say Winnipeg is because I would argue that Winnipeg has the more important player. They got the goaltender who's better. Yeah, I mean Winnipeg is Winnipeg is in sole possession of first in the central, first in the west. And they're tied with Toronto for the fourth best record and points percentage in the league. Yeah. And keep in mind, they're only one point up on Vegas, two points up on Dallas. Like the West for first place, the race is great. And I actually think it's going to tighten up here when you, when you look at the schedules of some of these teams over the next 10 games. So how would you rank the four divisions in strength? Well, see, to me, it's overall, if, if you have top end strength, Boston and the Atlantic, it's hard not to go because Boston's so dominant. But then they have five teams, Frank, that are like Buffalo, Florida, Detroit, Ottawa, Montreal. Most people that started the year were like, okay, Montreal's not close. Well, Montreal's five points. Now, granted, Buffalo has games in hand, but they're five points behind Florida, right? Like, where's Florida gone this year? Like, basically, last year they had four good teams in the Atlantic. Now they have three. Okay, so rank them. Rank the divisions. I would rank um, for overall. I will go Atlantic still because of their top team. Then honestly, the next three, I don't think there's much separation. You can pick either one. I don't think they're. I don't think they're uh, separated by that much, to be honest. Um, the Central, there's the wild card. Colorado is Colorado the defending champs, or is Colorado? an injury plague team. So what they did last year is irrelevant. If what they did last year is irrelevant, then the central is probably the weakest. I would go Atlantic central Pacific Metro. And you don't like the Metro, eh? I just, I just don't think Pittsburgh, Washington, New Jersey. uh, I'm not sold on New Jersey. Like, I know that their underlying numbers have been really good. I know that they've scored a lot and their goals against is good. All those things. I mean, so much of where they sit in the standings is the product of a 13 game winning streak. One team on a heater. I mean, I'm not knocking them for it. I'm just saying if you change the prism through which you view their standings based on that, They've been an unbelievable road team. I, I can't even believe how good they've been. 17, Seventeen wins in twenty road games is insane. Yeah, seventeen two and one. It's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Um, yeah, I'm just. I guess I don't think they're in that. I don't. I'm not ready to vault them into the Stanley Cup contender conversation. That's fair. Uh, my, my one concern about the Devils is come playoff time, we all know the game changes a bit. Uh, are they built to handle the the big, you know, everybody hits in the playoffs, Frank. We've all seen it physical. Yeah. Everybody becomes more physical. They, their best players, all of them are smaller. Yep. I wonder if that's a concern in the postseason. Uh, it's something I think about for sure. I mean, I, I love watching Jack Hughes. Every time I 
watch him. He's there's something else in his game that you marvel at, but I always like in the back of my head, I'm, I'm always looking at him thinking he's one hit away from being out for a long time. Mm. Like, I don't, it's not so much used to me. It's the rest of them, right? Like, cause Hey, you can, you can have one or two smaller players and dominate. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you have too many of them, that's where I think that the odds will tell you that all of them aren't going to be successful in the postseason at one time. Right. You need a mix. Every team needs a mixture of different sizes, different skill sets. And right. so New and New Jersey's very, you know, they're very consistent this year. Although they I think move, they right. move the puck so well. Yeah, they do. They've got speed. Mm-hmm. Oh, but they, so they, like so Rangers, Devils, Caps, Islanders, and Penguins. Do any of those teams of those five scare you? Washington gets healthy, man. I wouldn't count them out. Like, look what they've done with injuries. But then they just the lost twice to the Flyers in a row. Yeah. Well, the Flyers. What, and why, what is, so let's, let, that's a perfect segue. What exactly are the Flyers doing? They've won seven of eight. Yeah, they're winning, Frank. You can't, you can't ask. That's why I've I know you can't it. ever stop it. You can't, you can't ever. St- oh, you can't stop players from trying hard. Right. It's, it's the, there's two things in why tanking, uh, tanking can give you better odds of, uh, of having top picks. And the t- history tells us if you want an elite scoring forward, the best place to get him is a top five pick. That's true. Now there's obviously exceptions uh, to that rule, but that's where the majority come from. And so if you're, if you're a bottom five team year after year and you make good picks, then you'll improve. But the thing is you can't guarantee that unless you go scorched earth. And if you have players who are playing for their, just playing for pride and John Tortorella, people can love him or hate him, but the one thing Tortorella does for players that have played for him is you work hard. He gets you to take pride in your work ethic every night. They might not outskill you, but rarely do his teams get outworked, right? Like look at Columbus, like rarely did they get outworked. They got outskilled some nights and same with the Flyers, but this is, I don't think the Flyers are obviously not a playoff team. And so they kind of get stuck in that purgatory. It's, but it's, the, art, it's the art of fucking yourself, essentially. Yeah. To, to like, uh, not, not to drop a swear word, but like, that's really what they're doing. This, it's, this, isn't, this is an object of self-gratification is what this is. But were they bad enough? Like, how, how could you say, okay, Travis Konechny, don't try. Right? I, no heart, one's suggesting sense. that. All I'm saying is, as remember, so uh, 10 days ago, we exit the world juniors and the big conversation around the NHL is which teams are actively going to go the other direction just to get a chance at Connor Bedard. Mm-hmm. And then the flyers go and win seven of eight. Absolutely yeah. meaningless. They're, they're, they're so far from the playoffs. I know that mathematically six points or so doesn't seem all that far. But all they've done is climb from 28th in the league or so to 24th and have absolutely crushed all of their lottery chances. Mm. And it's probably enough points. I know it sounds funny, but it's probably enough now winning seven of eight to really be damaging. Well, what if all of a sudden they go... Well, six, three, and one in their next 10. And then their next 10. And then all of a sudden they're within two points. God bless them. I I, I don't like. Because didn't the players tell you, Frank, hey, when we get Atkinson and Couturier back, we're going to be even better. 
yeah and that's like hey uh you know that's all we're missing they they think they're like we we actually think we can be pretty good I'm just not seeing it. A lot of what they've experienced this year has been Carter Hart keeping them in games. Well, hey, man, goal, goalies are pretty important. You're right. Either, like Philly, does it seem likely? No. But you can't – I don't think you can sell to your players or create a, a – because I'm a big believer in winning cultures everybody talks about. I'm a firm believer that there's losing cultures. And losing cultures can go from your management to your coach to your players. Right. And there's certain organizations right now that have a losing culture um, because they're they're not they think they're trying to win. But all the decisions they make are actually making them worse. Philadelphia brought in a coach because they felt like they needed to be a more consistently dogged team. Okay, and so that's what they've done. Now, we can agree if it's we can say it's right or wrong, but they feel like that was was the exact wrong hire at the wrong time because of that exact reason. Because this team didn't have enough talent. And John Torrell has been super clear to point that out to everyone. Mm -hmm. They don't have enough talent to compete. And so all they're going to do is work themselves into the murky middle. Doesn't that mean it's the wrong coach at the wrong time? Or is it a dose of reality that says, okay, organization, well, you know what? We'll bring in it. You want us to do an internal audit? Oh, we'll get John Tortorella. He can be prickly, and maybe we don't like what he's going to tell us, but it, we'll get a better sense of what we have, right? And, you know, so I look at them. They got so much money right now in, in LTIR, in, in Couturier and Atkinson. And I don't know, Frank, you're closer there. What's Like, we know that Ryan Ellis, like, sadly, his career might be over, so that sucks for him. But, you know, they're going to free up $7 million in, in, in James Van Riemsdyk. What's Couturier and Atkinson's status? How serious are those injuries? Are those ones like, are we talking Ryan Ellis potentially? Are they are they going to be back here in a week or two weeks? What's the case on those two? No, so uh, they're working their way back. Um, Couturier, I think, is still a little ways away. Um, Atkinson, he did have surgery, and I, I forget exactly what his time frame is. Um, but his surgery isn't like a Ryan Ellis. Here, he, no, right? he's out for the season though. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, so then he's got one year. Like I look at the flyers and say, if you know that Ryan Ellis is in LTIR, like it sucks for cap flexibility um, as far as accruing numbers, but it does give you the ability to use that cap space. Um, like I really don't like the Kevin Hayes contract um, long-term and there's three years left on it, but the rest of their contracts aren't like awful. Couturier, I, I think, is late February, early March. Yeah. Sort of and, time and, frame. And if, and if Couturier can't stay healthy, Frank, well, then that's another problem, right? Well, I because, think it's a real possibility given that it's a back injury. And yeah. by the way, I think that's what Mark Stone is dealing with again in Vegas. Yep. So is, that's a huge is, blow to them. Yeah. And I'd be real curious to see how long he's out. I wonder if there's a possibility that he's out the rest of the season. Yes. And now, if he's out the rest of the regular season, that's nine point two five million that you put on LTI. That, that you all of a sudden the makes deadline. the Golden Knights an enormous player, potentially. Potentially, that is that was the thing. That was the biggest news I saw when when he didn't play, and, the, and they're being very hush about it. They said he's week to week, week to week in the NHL now is literally two weeks to ten weeks. I've seen players who started out week to week and ended up being you know eight weeks. It's ridiculous, but. Uh, the one thing because of his past history, I was like, hmm, 
if stones and a back is a back's virtually impossible to say when it's going to come back and when it's going to stay healthy, right? Like right. it's so unpredictable and that sucks for stone, but you're right, Frank, all of a sudden that could make Vegas who has historically been massively aggressive anyway, a big player at the deadline. Well, you take a team that's been really good this season and then give them the opportunity to add that's always been super aggressive. And I'd imagine that they would use every penny of it. Oh, yeah. So um, and there's some big tickets out there that all of a sudden they're like, oh, we have over nine million dollars in free space like that's a huge potential benefit. Now, would they be a team that would make sense for Jacob Chickering if that were the case? Hmm. I, well, the, their defense does need a little bit of help there. That's for sure. Right. And he doesn't have to be like, they got Petrangelo still, so he's never going to have to be your go-to guy. Right. That I like Shea Theodore. Like, so geez. do I. Yeah. But I think if you're, if you're Vegas though, you're going to want to spend some of that money on a four because not only is stone a really good player, he is like their emotional heartbeat and whoever they bring in, they're not going to replace that. And that's the one thing that, that, you know, like Mark Stone, I don't know if he ever has a bad day. The guy's always upbeat. He's smiling like, and that's infectious. And in an organization that has lots of internal pressure, I, I think from their ownership and stuff, he's that attitude, I think in Vegas is vital. And if he's not around the team and every injured player that I've talked to say it, it's really hard to feel part of the team and be part of the team when you're not playing. Right? Some guys can do it, but man, it's hard. So I think that stone injury is, is maybe arguably the biggest story of the second half in the West. No question. Because how does it impact Vegas? And then how does it impact him as far as, because let's say he's only out six weeks, Frank. Well, that six weeks might be the difference of them getting home ice advantage or not. I'm not sure that it matters this year, given what we just talked about, about the division. I still think home ice means something in game seven. Okay. So. You have to get to game seven. Yeah, I just think so winning your division this year could get you the Colorado avalanche. I think you want, if you're in the Pacific, you want one of those two, three matchups. Okay. Agree or disagree? Well, no, it can't get you Colorado because Colorado is, uh, well, I guess if you think they're going to be the the crossover, the wild card team, which gets to my point, Frank, can the NHL, the simplest change ever. I'm just going to talk about it again. If there's if, four teams, right. if there's four it. teams from each division, there should be no crossover to the other. What the hell are we doing? We promote divisions as the major thing. Then you have four and four. And because Colorado, let's say Colorado finishes with 92 points and Calgary has 93. Now Vegas gets Colorado over one point instead of Calgary. It's the dumbest rule in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Now that they changed the offside uh, rule with their foot off the ice, it's the dumbest rule in the NHL. There's no one that convinced me that's a good rule. None. Okay, so you're all over shootouts today and the crossover. What else you got up your sleeve? What else do you want to feign outrage at? No, I'm not even feigning. I'm being legit, man. Like, <laughs> No, I know. I'm one, kidding. But, like, what else yeah. is on your list? Like, give us your – just just knock it off so we can we can cross them off as we go down. What else well, you got? Well, honestly, up? I didn't even think about the, uh, the division one until you brought up Colorado on the crossover. But, but that, that's kind of where it's trending right now, at least yeah. mathematically. Like, uh, I know Colorado has games in hand, but they're still six points back of Calgary and Edmonton who are in those final two spots. And they're five points back of the other teams in their division, Seattle and L.A., that 
that's, I mean, Colorado, look, they could absolutely go on a tear and, and reel off 12 straight wins and no one would blink, which is why my level of concern isn't that high for Colorado at the moment. But they're trending towards second wild card spot or first wild card spot. Yeah. Wow. If they get in. Yes, I agree. They're still and three, just... three, six, and one in their last 10. So yeah. they've got work oh, to no. do. At, at some point, they got to get on that run. Or else it'll be too late. Because even right. if you win 12 in a row, if if you're, you know, 13, 12 points back, well, that's not going to help you. But I do want to ask you, Frank, the Seattle Kraken did something that no NHL team has ever done. They won all seven games on a seven-game road trip. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Utterly amazing. Here's my question for you. Are you full? Because you look, they've won, they've won eight in a row to start the calendar year of 2013. But they're only five points up on the on the fourth and fifth place teams. And they have a tougher schedule coming up here when I was looking at their opposition. They have a few games in hand. But are you, is Seattle a playoff lock for you? Yes. I, I said it last pod. I said, welcome to the Stanley Cup playoffs, Seattle Kraken. Okay. They're ahead of Vegas in points percentage. So they're technically leading the division. Mm-hmm. And they only need 40 points in their last uh, 40 games. 500. We just talked about how 500 means nothing anymore, that it's so easy to be 500 in this league. That's all they need to do to get in. 500. Yeah. Now, before their eight-game winning tr- streak, they were uh, they were still above 500. I, I look at Seattle, and my, my concern, if I was a Kraken fan is the fact that they are continually outscoring their inability to defend, right? Like they give up goals. Like it's, it's amazing how many goals they give up. They score a ton. It's like, and especially on the road, like it's mind blowing to be averaging over four goals per game on the road, but outside of the Boston game, which is funny, like that's the team they shut out, but you look in their other games, how many goals they give up. And I just wonder if given up 19 fewer goals than Edmonton, Three fewer than Calgary and oh, 27 wow. fewer than LA. How concerned are you really? Well, they, I am concerned because, well, goals against A, they've played fewer games, but I just look at that. They, they win a lot of games, 5 4, right? Like you're, you're right. When they shut them down, it's funny. They're either Jekyll or Hyde. They'll win Boston 3 0 or they give up five to Chicago. Right. It's just, I don't find there's a consistency in their defensive game. If you just look at I how many times their goaltending is no good. Well, okay. So you got to get have both goalies sub 900. I mean, if there was, would, they, would you put in a claim then if you're Seattle on Alex and yes. Um, no, just from a contract, I, I yeah, guess cap from a contract wise, standpoint, right. Cap wise is the problem. You can't just pick up another goalie for three mil. Right, that's that's the problem, I think. Yeah. But if I was at Arizona, I would. And have him back up, Vejelkovic, yeah. Well, Vejmelka, yeah. Vejmelka, there was a report, yeah. uh, Jeff Marrick on Saturday, that said the Coyotes are considering moving Vejmelka. And you're like, well, okay, perfect. Trade Vejmelka and just plug in Nadelkovic. One would replace the other, essentially, in cap hit. I just don't think there's a huge market for goalies. I think it's Seattle, maybe LA, maybe, and New Jersey, a backup. I think that's kind of it. 
I don't think anyone else is really looking. So this waiver assignment, by the way, did not have uh, Magnus Helberg being chosen over Nadelkovich on my bingo card this year in Detroit. Um, but that's sort of where they're at. And by the way, eight plus million dollars waived by Steve Eiserman in the last 10 days. Oh yeah, with Verona and uh, <laughs> hey, um, now Nadjokovic is all contracts or trades signed and made by Steve Eiserman. Yep, a guy that does not miss normally. Uh, everybody misses. Let's just make that. Well, I'm just I'm saying the guy who had the golden touch in 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 Tampa is I don't know, but 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 I will say this about um, so you look at Nadjokovic right. And uh, when, when they are 906 save percentage, 97 career games. Yeah. So he is a UFA at the end of the season, right? Detroit's here is not going anywhere, Frank. So they're trying to rebuild. So you, you, you claimed a Helberg on waivers, which you didn't know when you signed a Jelkovic, if he was there or not. Right. Um, I actually, I applaud Iserman for saying, okay, you know what? When I signed to Djelkovic, I liked him. He did okay for us. But here we are today now. And even though he makes more money, he's a UFA in a few months. We're not re-signing him. We like Helberg. We're keeping the guy who we think has the better upside moving forward. Regardless of contract. Uh, I don't know if that's factually accurate even. But that's what they think. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. I mean, first off, Helberg is four years older. His numbers are worse with the Red Wings. And Nadelkovic just went down to the AHL and played six great games with Grand Rapids with a 920 save percentage. All right. So then why do you think they're doing it? Probably just to better balance their cap and see if someone will take a swing. But, but why does their cap matter this year? They're not a buyer. Well, here's the thing is they're probably ready for Sebastian Kosa at some point anyway, right? Well, he's in the ECHL. I don't know if they're ready for him in the NHL. No, I, but like that's all. It's really only about Vili Huso keeping the spot warm enough until Kosa is ready, right? Yeah, that might be an honestly, man, it's his first year as a pro. I, I don't think Kosa is going to be another. All I'm saying is it. if we're thinking long term here. Yeah. That's all like that's why Billy Huso is signed to a three year deal. It's because at the end of those three years, that's when Kosa is supposed to take over. Yeah, they hope, but that's a big that's always a tough one for goalies, man. I don't even know if goalie coaches can project accurately on where they think guys are. Heck, from year to year, Frank. Never mind three years. <laughs> so okay. So you think that Jelkovic is better than Helberg today? I do. And I mean, just look at where he's gone on the waiver wire. This is his third team this year. He keeps getting picked up because he has strong tendencies, but he's 31. Yeah. So then, so then, well, that's fair. If you, if you believe he's better, I'd be honest. I haven't watched Detroit play enough. And I didn't even look at their stats. There are just... enough people out there that think that Nadelkovich was the product of a, a really good Carolina team that with a somewhat limited sample size of only 23 games and, and a good run in the playoffs that he was the beneficiary of the way Carolina plays and that he's not that good, but still he played 60 games last year for the wings and had a North of a 900 save percentage. 
I think he's a pretty decent goalie. And I think at age 27, 3 million bucks isn't going to cripple you. I just don't know that anyone's going to, you know, they're going to say, if you really want to get rid of the contract and player, then trade him to me and, and retain some. Yeah. Well, that's, and maybe who knows, maybe that's the, uh, the first move just to, to see, right. Maybe there's teams that are talking and aren't offering. He's like, well, if you want him here, you can go have him for nothing. And then it's the, the part of it because he goes through waivers and no one else claims him. But to me, the cap doesn't really make much sense when you're Detroit because they're not going to be adding cap space this year. If anything, they're going to be getting rid of cap space. So Right. So New Jersey doesn't – they can't take the contract, but doesn't he make sense as a replacement for Mackenzie Blackwood? At 1.5, you're right, not at $3 million. But I'm saying it just in general, if you're looking at New Jersey and their team. Oh, like in the offseason? Well, not even necessarily in the offseason. Like if you're New Jersey and you're trying to find someone to play with Vanacek, you'd feel way more comfortable putting out Nedeljkovic every other night when when Vanacek isn't playing instead of Blackwood. Yeah. Well, and hey, there's a, there's a great example, Frank. Look at Mackenzie Blackwood. A few years ago, people were like, man, this guy, he was getting talked about for a goalie potentially uh, if there was going to be an Olympic team for Canada. Might he be one of the top three goalies? You played that well. And now, all of a sudden, he's like, is this guy even an NHL goalie? Like that position, it is a crazy. The most fickle position in pro sports. It's so hard to to gauge from, from year to year. They should have cut ties of- with Mackenzie Blackwood last summer, though. I don't yeah. think they trusted him then. I don't think That's they fair. had the the they had enough knowledge of his injury history to suggest that um he probably wasn't going to get right again for a bit like they actually had to cut a chunk of his skate out so that his heel could fit into the skate yeah oh i remember so like they should have cut ties with him then uh they didn't and now i think part of you know part of their issue is that it's been blackwood and um, Akira Schmid, who have been picking up the slack this year when Vanacek isn't playing and they've struggled. Yeah. So, no, the goaltending market is is definitely one that can be very, from year to year, you get the right guy hot at the right time and it makes a world of difference. And, and outside of maybe the top six or seven, uh, like even a guy like Jacob Markstrom has shown, even he is pretty good goalie can't match that legit consistency every year of like a, you know, a top five goalie. There's very, there's, there's literally the top five guys and then there's everybody else. And if you have one of those top five, I think you just have a lot of, uh, a lot of easier sleeps in the summer when you come to whiteboarding your team and how it's going to shape up. And a lot of but, it, like, okay, but Calgary like would have guy. included Markstrom in that category prior to this season. I think that's the scary part about the position. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, let's get to some uh, quick hitters brought to you by Montana's. This season, Montana's is bringing back the viewing party with their lineup of daily deals. You can check out the full lineup at montanas.ca. Ribs, steak, chicken wings, they have it all. And the majority of their food is smoked. Prepped, grilled in-house, certified smoke masters, and the grill masters program. And remember, it's, uh, 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 what is it, half-price wings on Monday, Frank? Half-price wings on Monday. Sign me up. There you go. Frank will be waiting, celebrating in February, maybe, with that. Um, quick hitters for you, Frank. Have you, have you become more of a believer at all in the... Uh, the new the New York Rangers. We touched on them briefly. Yes, but are the Rangers coming back to where we expected them at the start of the year? Yes, and I think a huge part of it has been just eager. I think the Rangers are who we thought they were, a team that's really very average in most categories and is propped up a lot by their goalie. And so Shesterkin has been way better the last month and change, and. That's a big reason why I think they are where they are. Now, you said home ice might not matter. Does it matter between Tampa and Toronto, who look like they're on a collision course? Uh, you know, I don't know if either one's going to be able to. They're 11 points behind Boston, right? And then they're uh, Tampa's 11 up on uh, Buffalo in the division. So they're 2-3. It seems like they're locked in. Does home ice advantage matter to you in that series? No. I don't think it matters in general, but I would say no. You don't think Toronto would want game seven? Didn't they have game seven last year at home? Yeah, but I think like that's an experience. Like I, to me, they I had game seven at home last year and lost on home ice. Did they not? I just want to double check and make sure that that's accurate. But I believe that was the case. Yeah. And lost well, to the same team. But because you did it once. I'd still history tells us you want game seven at home. And I, I look at like Tampa Bay's been in the Stanley cup final three years in a row. They know how to win when it matters. I think that's safe. So do you think that team really gives a flying hoot? No, not whether Tampa, they play at home or on the road. Tampa, maybe not. as much, I, I would I say Toronto, if you're the yes. Leafs, I'd actually want to be away from Toronto. I don't know. I still want my fans, man. They're going to be going crazy. Yeah, but there also is a serious amount of nervous energy in that building. They got to win, got to get past the first round, got to do this. I I, I would want to be away. Hmm. Okay. Well, technically, Frank, Tampa Bay, I know you love the points percentage. They're slightly ahead of the Leafs. They're four points back, but they have three games in hand. They have a 671 points to 670 of Toronto. The Leafs like very average in January, 3-3 three, three, and 1. Yeah, it looks like it's a... But they played pretty be- well on Saturday against Boston. A pretty good race for them. And today, if you look at it, five teams within five points. Who finishes first in the Pacific? 
Vegas, followed by Seattle, followed by L.A., followed by Edmonton, and then Calgary. Hmm. All right. I still think if you're including Colorado in that mix and you're looking at wild cards, right now, as constituted, I would have Calgary out. Calgary out and Colorado in. Yes. As as eighteen. Yeah. Calgary would be nine for me. Okay. I uh well the it's hard to argue that. Like Colorado, if they weren't the defending champs, Frank, I think a lot of us would be like, oof, they're not gonna make it. But they are the defending champs and they have McKinnon, they have McCarr, and they have Rantanen and um if Manson and Manson Byram. and Byram, it's it's such a huge part of their decor that's missing. Yes, and they're both getting close, so that should be a big boost for them. Like you know, they absolutely waxed Ottawa. I know it's Ottawa, but they're capable of that. Um, but they're they're very Jekyll and Hyde right now. That's the thing. Like you talk about Toronto being average in 2013. Look at Colorado. I think that's only their second win. Aren't they like two five and one or something, or two five and two? So. They, uh, they definitely have me going in the right direction. Um, I will say, you look at the Pacific Division standings, talk to me on February uh, 15th in a month because the next 10 games, I looked at it for all those teams and the schedule really favors, like Edmonton has the easiest schedule by far. And the fact that they're starting to, to figure out their five-on-five defending again, I see the orders easily going eight and two. They play a bunch of non-playoff teams. Um, they got huge favorable schedules. Like they play Seattle on Tuesday. They have two days off. Seattle's playing their ninth game in nine cities and the second half of a back-to-back. Tampa Bay's on a, a three and four games. Vancouver's on three and four games, second and back-to-back. For, their next three games are massive uh, scheduling advantages, and it happens for every team. It just happens that theirs are all next, their next five games, actually. So uh, don't be surprised to see Edmonton suddenly. Um, people will say, oh, they woke up. Well, the last 10 games they've figured out defensively five on five and they're, they're set to go on a run and they're getting Evander Kane back likely this week. And a lot of people have been saying, Oh, just wait till Evander Kane gets back. Watch that team take off again. So you're saying if the underlying process has been good to this point, then adding him in will only then further support that. And then Frank, the orders have to make a decision capitalized to their roster. Yeah. That's there's a, there's an easy way to do it. I think. Well, if they go, it just involves play- sending a bunch of players down. No, I understand that, but I'm talking. It's it's likely if they want to keep a 21 man roster, Frank, then they have to send one of Fogel or Pogliarvi on waivers. Probably going to be Fogel. Yeah. So, uh, just a quick hitter to uh, the Minnesota Wild while we were talking announced a seven year extension for Matt Boldy. Seven times seven, $49 million. Um, interesting process in terms of doing business for a team that has a serious cap crunch. Yeah. You gain some real cost certainty with Boldy over the next seven years, who's been a fantastic player in, in Minnesota. And obviously they're big believers in him, a big contract coming out of entry level, but Certainly earned um, for a guy that was damn close to a point per game player last year in 47 games after his call up and has been really good again this year. So, um, you know, Matt Boldy at the age of 21, 49 million bucks. 
his UFA year wasn't until 2028 anyway. So you buy a couple years of UFA and what that does for Minnesota is creates a real crunch. They're going to have interesting decisions to make this summer, a bunch of guys to resign and kind of having only, I think 19 or 19 million bucks to spend Matt Boldy chewing up seven of it. Um, certainly is going to have them in a spot where they have some decisions to make. And uh, before we let you go, Frank, quickly, uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. Um, Theater of the Bazaar. Yeah. Elliot Friedman was talking about, uh, you know, they've they've already interviewed uh, uh, Rick Tockett, supposedly, and uh, they got a big win over over Carolina. Um, They they set the NHL record for most uh, two-goal blown leads through the first half of a season. Like, they had lots of games in control, and they couldn't finish them off. Um, we talked last week about, you know, just more drama being around that team. And and if those, you know, I'm not going to doubt Elliot. He's been pretty accurate in a lot of things. So that indeed's happening. Oh, there's, some, there's definitely something going on there. I so think not only have they you, been talking, but I think Rick Tockett's been in the process of building out a staff, I think. Okay. And not just assistant. I mean, like, the whole nine yards. So it'll it'll be a massive blowing up of everything. I would think at some point, I don't know if it's going to happen in season. Some of it may wait until the summer, but um, I think there's been a larger overarching theme in terms of what um, their thought process is. And I guess what's sort of crazy to me is just how long this has gone on with Bruce Boudreaux. Everyone's known since the second week or third week of October that he was a sitting duck. And for him to waggle out there in the wind, I think has been really curious. Um, And then to go through the process where it's not just openly speculating about his future, but you already have the next guy in line. It's just a weird way to do business. I'll be a story to follow for sure. Uh, Frank, have yourself a wonderful week. Uh, Hopefully it's as good as Matt Boldy's Monday. Have a great day. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.